Well, this morning, as I told you, we're in Romans chapter 8. If you're new to uh, Christ community, the day you showed up, hey, you picked a good day. Part 3, you can go back and catch the last two at our website. We've got the full services there on video. Uh, this past week, Jeff just uh, upgraded our live stream. We, we know, we just want to apologize. We're about 50-50. We've been having some challenges, but we just got... A new upgrade, and it's going to be really good. People watching right now, you're jacked, aren't you? And it's, it's going to stay with you, and it's going to be improved. So hopefully you'll go there and enjoy this in the weeks and years to come. Well, this morning, Romans 8, starting at verse 28, since I didn't finish last week. And I've called this more than conquerors. He didn't say conquerors. He says more than conquerors. On the screen, um, there is going to appear... A large amount of scripture, verses 28 through 39. And I think we should stand and I think we should read it together. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this is the last time I'll have you stand, okay? I just want you to stand up, put your Bible down. I know you're nesting, but just sit it down for just a minute. Okay. Some of you didn't think that was very funny. All right, here we go. Here we go. All right, uh, let, let, me, let me have a little scripture up here. Y'all ready? And we, let's do it together. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer lives if we have trouble or calamity? Or we are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved. That's good. Okay. We didn't finish it, did we? Here we go. Here we go. Ready? I've read this so much, I'm kind of like, my mind's just in pause. Sorry, people, but we've been reading it for 21 days together. Here we go. Let's do it. Let's raise our voices, okay? And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Now just stand there for a minute. Don't you wish... Okay. Hey, go, go back to the last screen. Don't you wish you had that in your room at your house? How many of you like to have that when you're reading your Bibles in the morning? Just You don't wear glasses, do you? Yeah. Because when I get up early, sometimes before I get my glasses on, I start reading the Scripture, and it's so hard. And I think, if I had that in my room... Hey, it's just an idea, Father's Day present. I could just blow it up on the wall, bigger than life. All right, y'all can be seated. Now, I had you read that because many of us have taken the PK 21, 14, seven-day challenge, and basically we're finishing this up, but I'm hoping that you've been reading Romans 8 out loud in your home, in your car, just saying, God, I want it. Now, Romans 8, 28, it's such a popular verse, and people quote it and they misquote it. And they definitely misuse it. And they don't understand it so much of the time. And some people just say it's a general, superficial optimism verse for everybody. It is not. It is optimistic. It is full of hope. It is full of confidence. But it is, I want you to write this in your notes. It's not going to be a fill in the blank. It is for believers. It is for Christians. It is for Christ followers. It's not some silly notion or something paul knew theologically and experientially who jesus was and he begins with his great astute mind he begins to deliver this passage here in romans but so many times people quote it and they don't have a deep sustaining confidence persuasion in god's ability to work in their life so we'll just say hey and all things work together for good hey i hope it works out see ya but it's for believers, it's for us, the people of faith, the people of hope. So we, we take, uh, you know, when God takes our stone-cold heart and he gives us a heart of flesh, as Ezekiel talks about, and he redeems us and he puts the Holy Spirit, then we have life and the word breathes and Christ flows through us. But I want you to look right here inside the box. And we know that all things filled in work together for good, for those that love the Lord and are called according. To his purpose they work together there there's a, a greek word here and it just means we get our english word synergy synergistic working together you know when you have synergy in an office when you have synergy in a church in a ball teams things just seem to work out so much better they uh, it'd be like in fabric world you begin to weave things into the fabric and it's condensed and it's one and it's stronger and god is synergistic he does this for us it's a combination of when he combines things for his result all right let me do it for you cookers you that love to cook you that love the kitchen in the winter if you make a big pot of stew you, you just throw just a little bit of stuff in there and you go done you do not you throw everything out of the refrigerator and you uh, whatever you put everything you can in there and with all those concoctions and all these things come together most of the time it's really good and God takes all these elements of suffering and pain and joy and victory and trials and answered prayer and unanswered prayer, and he weaves it together for the glory of Christ. Amen. You're saying, well, my stew's not very good. Well, I'll assure you it says God is good. He, he is good. I, I'm just thankful for his divine presence and his energy and over time that he works. So we have to define the word good. I hear all the time people say, oh, God is good. All the time. And all the time, God is good. And they ain't got a clue what they're saying. They saw it on some preacher on TV or they, saw, they said it one time. They go, that sounds good. Let's do that. That's religious. I can remember that. But God's good. How many believe God's good this morning? He's a great God. Come on, put your hands together. God, you are great. 
mistaken. Yeah, I believe he is. I think we have to remind one another because sometimes we act like, but see, we think we equate good. I do. I'm, I'm in this camp too. I have to watch my perspective. I equate good with health, money, success, happiness. I take what the world tries to give me. I go, this is good. When things are going my way, I have meaningful work. I have a place to live. I have a car to drive. I have all that. Then things are good. But that's not necessarily the biblical viewpoint of Father God. Good is good because he is good. He is holy. He is above all. His, his ways are not our ways. His ways are much higher. And so it says there in verse 29, for God for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. Now, you hear me say that a lot around here because that's what it means to be a Christ follower. It is to put your initial faith and trust in Christ, to obey him, to follow him, to simply be shaped, retooled, conformed to the image of Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. I'm becoming more like Christ than I was last year or last month or last decade or however long you're in Christ. So God's good and our good are not the same thing. God is at work in the life of believers making us like Jesus Christ. Despite the circumstances, God is good working in our life, shaping us to become conformed to the image of his son. Despite what you think, God is good. Am I getting the point across today, anybody? God's good. And you're saying, well, man, we know he's good. God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for our food. But yeah, that's right. But we stop there. And God's got so much more. He's talking about, I'm committed. You know, a lot of times we go, God, are you committed to making me happy and successful? No. I love to bless you, but I'm more about making you like my son. And I don't understand why some have to suffer more than others. Joni Erickson, Tata, the great author, paraplegic, is a young woman, was confined to a wheelchair all the days of her life, and she has one of the most profound ministries on the planet. A beautiful one young woman that Don and I know, Pastor Wolf, down at First Baptist, his daughter-in-law, Catherine, model, son, her husband in law school, life was on top, articulate, bright, major surgery after surgery, has been incapacitated in so many ways, suffering like none of us will probably ever know, but so radiant for the beauty of Christ. And you could go through people in your family and your friends and situations you're going through. It's just the providence of God. But I know this. When you and I get scared, we pray more. Write that down. When you get scared, you pray more. Do you, am I right? You get scared. You just got a diagnosis from the physician. And they said that C word, and it wasn't Christ. It was cancer. You start praying. And you think you're right on the laps of bankruptcy or you're right on the laps of your mates fixing to leave you. And I'm telling you what, that's where Christ is the greatest. And we begin to say, God, you're good. I trust you. I want you to look at this. So I want you to look at this screen. There's going to be a, uh, I hope it is. It's going to come up. It's a quote that I've got on here. Is it coming? Here it is. Look at this. God is at work in your life right now. How many believe that? You're rough and you're uncut. And God is patiently chipping away at you and me. But remember this. He will never intentionally hurt you. Let's stop. How many believe that God 
doesn't want to harm you, and he has a future and a hope for you, and he's not out to hurt you and to damage you. In the end, you will look like the Lord Jesus Christ. If I just stopped on this truth and we left, you would have enough truth to live on until you get to see Jesus. Because, Lord, sometimes it seems like you're out for me. Sometimes it seems like you're hurting me. But he's not hurting you. He's shaping you. He's shaping me. A lot of times when things don't go my way, I'm like, Lord, why? Why? Why this? Why can't you let my friend do this? Why have I got to go through this? Why not you? Oh, because you love me. And nothing can separate me. We'll get there in a minute. I've just got these thoughts down here. I want you to listen. Does that include the worst that ever happens to us? Yes. Does that include the little things and the big things that hurt us deeply? Yes. Does that include the time when we are heartbroken? Absolutely. God is with you at that point. Does it include the times when we sin? Yes. Does it include the times when we doubt God and we drift far from Him? Yes. Does it include the times that we are disrespectful and we maybe curse Him? Yes, God is good, and he's for us, and he's not out to hurt us. He has eternity in our mind. I can't tell you why moms have miscarriages. I don't know why babies die. I don't know why teenagers and adults get cancer. You know what happened this week? Matt and I were together. We were talking about the big Mark Schultz concert, A Night of Hope. I hope you'll buy your tickets today. It's going to be a, it's going to like uh, five or seven major hospitals, Memphis and UAB and all over Montgomery and, and all and hundreds of people come here. I hope you'll come. But Matt came in this week and says, PK, I tell you something. He goes, little boy Chase that I've been shooting for, I've been loving. Or wasn't a little boy, I think Chase is the 17-year-old baseball player, stud baseball player, had a promising career just weeks ago, seven, eight, nine weeks ago. He had a toothache. Went to the doctor. He had leukemia. Matt walked into my office and says, Chase just died. Well, wow. So, see, a lot of years like, man, I got it good, man. I got it good. But it's all to shape us to the image of the master. He conforms us. He works through hard times. And he says there, to those that are called, that's the effectual call. That's the call of God. Those are the ones that believe that, that I am his and he is mine. Do you know this morning that he is yours? Do you know that? Are you his? You're like, well, man, I want to put my faith in him. And before the foundation of the world, it says that Jesus loves us. So God uses sufferings to make us like Jesus. Not forced to complain, but to conform us. So the pain, the next time you and I go through some pain and whatever... Uh, avenue aspect that it takes on is to shape you and me and yeah but we have sin and we have the fall and god didn't originally create that it would be like this but because of our disobedience we that's part of the plan but god uses it all and in, in, in genesis it says and you intended this for harm but this is for god's good this is for god's glory I don't know what you're going through or what you're going to go through in the summer or the fall or the next five years or ten years. And I hope it's filled with joy and peace and prosperity. Of course I pray that for you. I pray that for you all the time. I pray that for our church. I love for people to be happy. I love that people just walk. I wish nobody else got sick. I wish people walked around here and no neck pain and no back aches and no headaches and plenty of money in the bank. How many want to be on that church? Amen. Can you promise that? It ain't going to happen. That's not Christianity. It's not biblical worldview. It's some man-made thing. But Christ is preparing us for eternity. 
You know, I'm like a two-year-old. You know, a two-year-old can't understand what's best for them. They got a nasty diaper. You need to change it to help everybody in the room. But they don't understand. You know, uh, they have to take a bath. And you're grateful when they take a bath. They don't stink. They look better. They get cleaned up, you know. But they don't understand. I mean, sometimes, you know, our granddaughter, she likes bath time. That's kind of cool. But there'll be a time. I, I remember when I was a young kid, I hated baths. How many boys in the room? Go ahead and I, I take showers once, twice a day. I'm, I'm okay, okay? But how many of you as little not-headed boys, just go ahead, be honest, you did not like bath or shower time. Just go ahead and raise your hand. It ain't right. Something's wrong with us. I don't get it. I remember one time I went to my uh, uncle's and I stayed down there two weeks every summer after my mom got killed. They let me go out in the country. And I'm going to tell you how sinful I was. I would go out and I would play and play and I would come in and go, now, Keith, it's time to get a shower. And for some reason, and Donna can't believe this because, like, I get in a shower. She goes, time's up, baby. Because I love a shower. I mean, I've never met a shower I didn't like, okay? And, well, I did. In Venezuela, it spit on me. It wasn't much to it. But, but I remember I would, go, I would go in there into the shower and I hated shower so much, I would turn the water on. And I would stand outside and watch it and sing. Keith, you take a shower? Oh, yeah, yeah. Man, dirt all behind me. I mean, isn't that nasty? I don't know what was wrong with me. I just thought I'd confess that today, so, you know, I, I feel better now. Okay. But God assures you and me, suffering's got a purpose. It really does. And then he gets into us about predestined and the foreknowledge of God, and we could go down the Calvinistic, in the Arminian trip, and y'all want, oh, pastor, I want you to prove your point, and I want to prove mine, and let's debate, and let's line the church up and all that. We're not going to do it. I've already had these discussions greatly in seminary and read, and I continue to read and study this. All I know is God is for us. Who can be against us? And let me tell you, for whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Amen? And I'm going to keep trying to win people to Jesus, and I pray that's your goal here. Lord, we want to trust you. But some of us are pinned down. We're losing. And this great passage of hope that we read today lifts us up and that we're more than conquerors. Suffering is not an indicator of the absence of the presence of God in your life. It's just not. When somebody says, if, if, if you didn't sin so much, you wouldn't suffer. They don't know the Bible. <laughs> I would say, I don't think they know the Lord. God, write this down. God does not waste hurt in the life of a believer. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe that God wastes the pain in your life? I don't. I think it's all for divine design, divine purpose. Now, we might choose to waste it, but God doesn't. God's like, it's all about shaping you, molding you, fulfilling, repent, believe me. But look here, we've got to get here. Oh, man, I could preach for hours. Is there any, I'm not, don't worry. Is there anyone that I can count on? Is there anyone? The Lord is our helper. He is great. Number one, right in, you can count on God's power. I know that. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us right now in every moment, and we can count on it. And I love what uh, the Scripture says. It just says, so what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? According to the message there in verse 31, if God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and free do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? A dummy. Oh, I put that in there. Who would dare even point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us, 
Praise God, he sticks up for you and me. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way, not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins that are listed in Scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. None of this faces us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing, living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus Christ, the Master, has embraced us. And I said amen, because I just finished it. Man, nothing can separate you. I love reading this passage. Man, I've done so many funerals, and I love the work in Romans 8. That nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Not even death. Not even demonic activity. Nothing. Nothing in the Greek means. Let me, I'm going to clue you in. I'm going to tell you how smart I am. Nothing. Nothing. You're saying, well, PK, how about this? The Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Paul goes to this beautiful passage and he goes, but, but if God is for us, who can be against us? And not, you know, right in the word, no intimidation. So many of you are intimidated. You're intimidated by your enemy. It's not time to be intimidated. It's time for the church of the living Christ to rise up against the enemy. And we don't have to be intimidated any longer, church. In the athletic world, the opponent that intimidates you they usually win or something happens good. But I will assure you, spiritually, we're not in... I like what Psalm 118.6. Write it down. It's not in your notes. Psalm 118.6. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Nothing. Man can't do anything to me. Oh, they, they could kill me. But they really can't damage me. They can't damage my soul. That's kept by Jesus. So he's in charge. He rules God wants someone today to listen. You don't have to fear. You don't have to tremble. You don't have to be terrified. You don't have to throw the towel in. You want to hang in there. You want to endure. I'm just calling some people today to encourage you and encourage myself to endure, to persevere, to be strong in the might of Christ and go, Lord, I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not quitting. The Lord is on my side. It doesn't matter if it looks hopeless. The Lord is on my side. The Almighty is on my side. How many of you can say this morning, the Almighty is on my side? Say it with me. The Almighty is on my side. You're saying, you're crazy. No. I'm in love with Christ. I want you in love with Jesus. And I don't know what is going to around the bend for me. I don't know what's around the bend for you. I don't have that kind of power. But I do have the power of the resurrection in me, and you do too if you're in Christ. And you can overcome. The Lord is on my side. He's on my side. He's all around us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. The Bible said he sticks closer than a brother. Did you ever have a brother you didn't want to stick so close you wish he'd leave? Yeah, like, man, especially if you're the big brother. See, I was the little brother. See, I always wanted to be my big brother. He probably like, you're staying home. But I like when Scripture tells me Jesus sticks closer than a brother. And you're saying, well, I'm not a boy. Okay, he sticks closer than a sister, okay? You ever had a sister that followed you around everywhere? Wanted to do everything you did? You did. The Lord is on my side. There's no situation here that's past him. Weeping may endure for a night. I've just fallen down. I've just gotten in trouble. I just got sick. I just failed a test. I just did this. And the Lord is on your side. Do y'all believe that today, church? The Lord's on your side. He's for you. You're like, man, you're pounding that because I want it to get in your spirit as I get into my spirit. Because the enemy tries to isolate us. Here it is. Write it down. Isolation. When the enemy isolates you and me, he wins. 
when we live in community of the body of Christ, let me just go ahead and be honest. This isn't even my notes, so I could be in trouble here. I am convinced the enemy is doing a great job today through the virtual church and all these things because he doesn't want the body of Christ to come and gather and come together and find strength. And I want to tell you, you cannot find community from the screen. You find a community from the body of Christ. Hallelujah. I'm going to die fighting for that. Community with people not in isolation. Some people are like, oh, Pastor, I, I want to be in isolation. It's fun there. I'm going to go ahead and say the S word right now. Stupid. Just stupid. Don't send me an email either. I know I said it. If your kids are in here, it's your fault. we got great children's ministry over there. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I just want to know if you really want to know how I felt today. Okay? Community. Ah, here we go. Ah, fired up, man. Here we go. Here we go. We gotta go there. You can count on God's provision. God gives us perspective. Hey, you go buy a watch. Hey, go over and buy a nice watch. You go, I'll take that watch, ma'am. I'll take that watch, sir. Uh, could I have the box? Oh, no, it doesn't come with a box. I just paid a lot of money for that watch. Oh, we only give away watches. We don't give away boxes. Wouldn't it be dumb? But God makes all provision in his son. He even gives us a box. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Anyway, it's kind of dumb. Here's a question. Just ask yourself, is God on my side? Yes. God is for you. He's for me. He gives me perspective. Here it is. You can count on God's protection. He's a warrior king. He has triumphed over the grave. He's triumphed over life. Has he triumphed in your life? He's a victorious, forever king, as we sing about today. This king is for us. He has triumphed. He's our advocate. We can do anything we want, but we win. We live for his life. We live for him. But the slanderer, Satan himself, he lives to make accusation. So this morning, if you feel like you're condemned, remember when I started this study? I said, therefore, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Don't live in condemnation. Live in grace. Now, if you're sinning, confess that. Repent of the sin, but follow Jesus. Lord, I love you. Lord, so we're not shielded from difficulties, PK? No, you're not shielded from sh difficulties. Difficulties are going to be part of the deal till you draw your last breath. But there is another life, and it's eternal in the heavens. So we can count on, look at this, you got to get there. You can count on his pardon. You can count on God's pardon for your life. That God covers us through the blood of his son and robes us in the righteousness of Jesus. And God pardons us. And I, I just love this. Paul, Paul declares here that we should be doing more than just surviving. We should thrive. I think the body of Jesus should thrive. I think Christians will to be the most thriving people. I wish they were the most fruitful and the most successful and all the other adjectives you could use, but we should be the thriving people, not the people that have taken the towel and gone home or thrown it in and said, I can't, because we're more than conquerors. In the Greek, it means we're more than super conquerors. Oh, it, it's beautiful. Uh, you know, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Y'all never heard of Andre Crouch, a bunch of you, I know. When Don and I got married in 1979, just a few years before, he'd written that song and had, you know it was everything and you know pk had big hair and all my guys at my wedding had big hair and i had a brother um uh, a friend from troy's on the track team Liam. he had big hair 
and my black brother, I loved him. Oh, man. And Liam, we were in the Baptist church at Eastern Hills, and I never will forget. And we're gathering with people, and I'm so excited. I'm married. I, man, I've convinced Donna to marry me. Man, that's something to give praise to Jesus about. And, and I'm walking, and people are greeting. And all of a sudden, I hear something down the hall. It's the most beautiful sound. Liam found a piano in a closet. And he whipped it out into the reception hall, and he started playing gospel tunes. Oh, you're saying, you're crazy. Oh, I just love Jesus. You know what I'm saying? It was beautiful. I wish I, wish I had a recording of that. But we didn't have cell phones. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. We didn't have any of that, okay? See, I have to capture things in my mind. Yeah, that's a little scary. Okay, so we're overcomers. Keep, don't laugh. It's not funny. All right, so overcoming spirit. In the midst of challenges, we overcome. But I'm convinced that encouragers, believers, I'm persuaded. I am sure. And then, look at it. No separation. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? No. Nothing. So this morning, I'm just trying. I, I want to spend a lot of time on this, but I, I just want you to know Christ is madly in love with you. He didn't want you to be intimidated. He didn't want you to be separated. He didn't want you to be isolated. He wants you to draw near, and he wants you to worship him. And as I look at this beautiful thing, we're more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. And nothing separates you and I from his love. Not even ourselves. And I am persuaded, no, I am convinced. I know that that which I have entrusted to him, he is able to keep against that day. And when I do funerals, when I do the committal, if you decide not to be cremated and you have a body, I'll walk over to the casket at the graveside and I'll say something to this effect. And we entrust the body of whatever their name is. We entrust them to your keeping, Lord Jesus, that you will keep them against that day, that you're able to keep all those things that we entrust. So this morning, have you entrusted your heart to Jesus? Because I am persuaded that he will keep it. And he will guard it, and he will be your advocate. He will be your living intercession, as Romans says, all the days of your life. Because God is good. Let's pray. Lord, I'm grateful for this morning, for the presence of Christ that's been all about this service as we prepare to sing one more song of worship, Lord, let, don't let us leave. Let us abandon ourselves to you and embrace you and say, yes, Lord, I am more than a conqueror. I know that now according to the scriptures. And I will follow you, Jesus. You are for me.